Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or a real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you successfully sued a corporation only to have the principal claim it had no assets. What did you do? Dennis, we showed after the judgment there was a pattern of the principal taking money out of the corporation for his own personal purposes. And the outcome? After examining and documenting the corporation bank statements, we showed a pattern where the principal was using the corporation as his own personal piggy bank. We were able to show that he personally had a lot of money and should be the real defendant. He thought he could get away with everything by hiding behind the skirts of the corporation, but now he's personally liable. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. This is the Brock Lurie Podcast with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. Welcome, Ari. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it sounds like you uh, you just came uh, from a very humid day somewhere, and you're rocking uh, back and forth on your porch. and uh, With my mint julep. <laughs> that's right. And you got a little uh, blade of grass stuck between your teeth and a straw hat. <laughs> and you're about to say, earthquakes are coming. And you can't have a crawdad on a Thursday, whatever the hell that means. Yes, yes, yes some sort of expression. I don't, I don't understand all these expressions from the South, but, but everyone else seems to understand it. So, ah, you can't, well, we just can't figure these things out. But you know what we can figure out are that some, some of the problems in the world, it seems to, to us, and, and, and we're talking in the, in the context of Planned Parenthood and, and the, Iran, the Iranian deal and such, and immigration issues, and uh, the import-export bank, and all these different things, right? I mean, these are so four areas I that I hope to remember if I don't write them down. Um, and 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 the notion is that there may be some answers to these that are so simple and yet so opposite of the way we typically approach them. So let's start off, uh, if we will, with um, the uh, the notion of uh, the, the whole abortion business, right? Uh, a disgusting, monstrous business. We talked about this before, that, that uh, by engaging in the, the abortion business, you're essentially in, in other businesses, too. And one of those businesses is, you know, the, the very obvious one is, like, what do you do with the aborted fetus, right? How do you, how do you dispose of it? Do you just put it in the, in the trash? No. I mean, and if you did, that you would still be in that business, too, because it would still be something to do. Right. I mean, if you if you are the if you're a cook in a kitchen, right? You you're you're in the business not only of amassing food and and preparing it and, and heating it up and all that stuff, but you're also in the business of cleaning it up after, right? What do you, you what, what do you do with it? You wash the dishes, you you throw away the leftovers and such, and you have to think about keeping it clean so the cockroaches don't come in, right? Same thing is true, sadly, about the abortion business, and nobody thinks about that. They think yes, and, and rightfully they do think about, gosh, is this, is this wrong? You know, should we be killing babies in the first place? And of course we should not be. But I also want to go one step further and say, think of all the other things that you have to do. 
there's the cleaning up, right? Like the cook has to clean up, so to speak. Where, what do you do with it? And more likely than not, you think to yourself, hey, there's a lot of demand for this, this product called an aborted baby. And uh, sure enough, that's what we're seeing in those videos. And if you think, my friends, that this is the first time that they were talking about this, you've got another thing coming. This is not new. They, they were certainly thinking about this and doing this years and years ago. It's just the first time that they were actually confronted with it and caught on video. So it's like anything else in life. You know, the, the, when you catch somebody, when a cop catches somebody speeding, it ain't the first time he was speeding, right? It's just the first time he was caught, right? Same thing with uh, Bernie Madoff or, uh, or, or for that man, Al Capone. You know, the, or Fanny and Freddie. Right. Oh, good example. You know, the, 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 or Lois Lerner. Right. The mishandling of the emails and the lies and such, they, they weren't the first times. They, they, it was just the tip of an iceberg, and it, it revealed a tremendous amount of other previous uh, inactions and, and misdoings that they had previously and done. At the risk of belaboring the point, I'm going to bring up one more where Please. we know it wasn't her first rodeo Hillary Clinton and lying. Ah. Yes. Long, 35-year <laughs> oh. career. <laughs> Is there anything else that she does? I, I'm not so clear. Not was, sure. there, was there ever a time that she, said she told the truth? We should draw a Venn diagram. <laughs> it's like an entire <laughs> circle of things. Things where, you know, it's when she said the truth and when she said lies. And you would, you would find there would be a, there'd be, that the truth would be completely outside of the circle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's this little tiny. Yeah, the Venn diagram would be times she spoke. <laughs> yes. Time exactly. she lied, time she told the truth. Yes. And <laughs> you make it work. Yeah. All right. So back back to the main point is, you know, it, abortion is supposed to address this issue, the, the supposed issue of, I mean, let's face it, a woman's convenience or a couple's convenience, if, if that, okay? But generally speaking, it's a woman's choice, uh, so to speak. That's their so-called right to kill a baby. And um, they... Um, it's, it's about practicality, right? How to deal with the convenience issue. So let's talk about that, for example. Now, so first of all, the convenience issue doesn't make any sense to me. If you, if you, uh, and you say, well, your life can be ruined by having a baby. I mean, I think Obama actually said that at one point. Uh, he didn't want his daughters punished. Punished by a having child. a baby, yeah. Yeah, as if as if there was no possibility of you know putting the baby up for adoption, right? There's just zero chance of that. Never mind the huge lines waiting for babies, right, to adopt your baby, and who would be glad to pay you for not only your hospitalization, but for anything else you might like, um, you know, to make you as comfortable as possible during your pregnancy. So, so I mean, that's just a damnable lie, right? So it's not the it's not the the notion of you'll be stuck with a child. Can't be that. Right, so that's that's not the issue, and it's not the the issue of um, uh, of people looking at you with shame, right? Because there is no yeah, we don't have any of that anymore. They, yeah, shame don't shame don't exist no more. Yeah, in see, this culture. See Jenner, Caitlyn, yeah, or Espies, for example, of no shame anymore. Or see that uh, woman from Duke who, uh, who who's you know mainstreaming pornography, right? And she's she's proudly saying that she's doing the pornography in order to pay her tuition. Yeah, and or. Pride gay, day of Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage. Yeah, the, there was no shame in any no, of their displays in public. No, every, every, anything we're going, we're quickly descending to an anything goes culture. So don't tell me 
uh, that it, it, there's any shame involved. I mean, maybe you don't want to answer questions like, oh, gosh, you got pregnant. You know, what are you going to do? You know, that's, that's really what it ultimately boils down to, isn't it, right? You know, like, well, I don't want my friends to see me pregnant. That's it. That's all. You know, oh, gosh, uh, Jane got uh, pregnant. Oh, what are you going to do with it? I'm probably going to give it up for adoption. Those questions are uncomfortable. That's it. Thank you. It's not. You don't have to take care of the baby because you can give it up for adoption. In fact, that would be such a great blessing to a couple that can't have children. And a blessing to the baby that is about to die. Right. In a Planned Parenthood shelter and then be, or a clinic and then be dismembered for profit. Right. Yeah, so, and, and, and by the way, you would be taken care of so well if you actually chose your parents ahead of time, chose the parents for the baby, right, ahead of time. And if you, want, if you said, look, I, I just, I'm poor, I, uh, I don't have a place to live very much, oh, we'll take care of that for you, young lady, where we'd like to live. We'd like to live near us. We can, we can get together every once in a while and get to know each other, come over for dinner every once in a while. Are you kidding? You'll be very well taken care of. So finances are not an issue. You can easily find that set of parents who will take good care of you. The hospitalization and all the checkups, no problem. All right? So it all boils down to you just don't want to answer uncomfortable questions. And the uncomfortable question basically says, ah, you know, I got knocked up. I mean, that's the, you can say, well, you know, we, we were thinking about getting together, but now I'm pregnant. And I, you know, uh, we broke up after and. You, you, could, you can massage the tail as much as you want. But so what? So you're pregnant. Big deal. Big effing deal. Right? Baby is born. And uh, now you give it to uh, loving parents. And you've done a great mitzvah, as we say in Judaism, to, uh, to not only that couple, but to, to God. And you may have uh, delivered birth to one of the greatest blessings to, to the world at large. Steve Jobs, Andrew Breitbart. Yeah. Stuff, else stuff like that. Might have wound up Tremendous like number that. of people just like that. Or adopted. It's very, you know, that's, that's the point. And um, the people don't see themselves out of context like that. So, so what do we do? How do, how do we, we, we know that it's not a shame thing. We know that it's not a financial thing. We know that you're not being punished by having the baby and that somehow having to raise it for the rest of your life. No. So we know it's all, all not that. And instead, what we have, though, is a culture where welfare, uh, you get more welfare if you have more, many more kids. So apparently those welfare mothers don't have any concern or, uh, about as, answering those questions, right? They have... So about shame or finance. Yeah, or shame, exactly right. And apparently nobody cares whether you're married or not. And in fact, many people say marriage is just a piece of paper, Is this except uh, for the gay community. Is, <laughs> I, is, an idea just sort of hit on me. I don't want to get far afield on this, but is there, is there a racist element in this? Because is it that you can get more money per fatherless child uh, if you're a welfare queen and you and the children are black versus white? Is that an issue? I, I don't know. I, I have no idea about that. Is it strange that there aren't more white women thought of in the mind's eye when you think stereotypically about the welfare queen breeding child after child with a baby. I, d- I don't know about that, Ari. I think, I think that culturally what has happened in a very sad way is that because of the, uh, the great society that Johnson wanted to do, um, he basically encouraged uh, the African-American community to start thinking in terms of welfare and that the government is, is the great provider of all things. And, uh, and, and basically he told them that that uh, the, Amer- the American government will be their, their mother, their parent. And uh, it will be the great provider for all things. And to some extent, that is what, is what happened. Uh, 
And so you may be seeing that most mothers on welfare, or a lot of them, are black. And so you may, may draw a conclusion that somehow that there's a preference for that. But I, I don't know about that. Uh, certainly on the books, you know, if you're a white mother and a white welfare mother, you should be able to have the same entitlements that as a black one, and vice versa, right? There should be no racism involved whatsoever about that. But let's not get far afield. How do we deal with this? Because um, if you, you, right now, presently on the books, you are not allowed to pay for a child. Directly to the mother. Directly to the mother, yeah. Say, hey, look, you know, you... Uh, and you aren't allowed to, as a mother, receive a payment for a child right. that you're giving up. But there are payments made. Adoptive people pay huge amounts of money to all sorts of middlemen, lawyers, adoption agencies, et cetera, et cetera, all in the Yeah, chain. that's where I was going. So there is a lot of money out there. But why you can't pay the mother directly is beyond me. What's wrong about that? Well, you know, the, the mother is, is paying for... I mean, we have surrogate moms... Right? So why, why is that such a bad thing? Why not say, look, I see you're pregnant. Do you really want to have that baby? Are you, do you have some qualms about that? Um, do you think you're already incapable of, of, of handling that baby? Or do you want to give it to loving parents who are very mature and really want to provide a nice home to that baby? And, and the, a deal should be struck. I'd even be willing out of a sense what's of wrong, but, but The question is, what's wrong with that? Oh. First of all, and then we'll address it. So let's, let's address what, the what's question. What's wrong with it is, in the traditional sense, it is slavery. It, it is selling a human being for money, which can be viewed as... I'm just being the counter Yeah, yeah, please. That's, that's why I'm asking. What's wrong? But it's sort of the chattel argument. Are we mm-hmm. selling people as chattel? Is, is a person being owned by one and sold to another mm-hmm. part of the abortion... Mystique, if you will, is that the mother doesn't own the child being aborted. She only owns her body. And because she owns her body, she's removing a foreign presence from her body. Mm. But she's not necessarily entitled to own that foreign presence. She's just allowed to vacate it. Well, but the problem with that argument is that if, if it's only a clump of cells, then... That it has to be. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, on the one hand, I'm allowed to kill this thing, this clump of cells, and on the other hand, I can't sell this clump of cells. Yes. Right. So, but it, we have you, you have to you have to define it the same way. Yeah. But there is the same issue in the pornography mm-hmm. business. Right. Prostitution in I believe 48 out of 50 states is illegal unless it's you, one of the states that allows you to film the prostitutive <laughs> act and then put it on video right. for all to buy on either pay per view or on DVD. I, I'm with you. I, I, that's one of the bizarre inconsistencies that I never quite understood. But that's another story. Yeah. But if you ever are a John and you engage a lady of the night, make sure your video camera is on and, and working. You, and you and upload. It. Yeah. <laughs> then if they bust it, I'm making a movie. That's right. <laughs> right. Or you could you can pretend you're making the movie, and then you say, Oh my gosh, I guess my iPhone wasn't on <laughs> this right. entire my high resolution did, and and you just and you didn't do it. You just didn't turn it on it whatsoever. And then when the cops bust you, you say, Oh my gosh, well I intended to have filmed the whole thing, and I was going to upload this. Yeah, I have the release right here. Yeah. You know, the, if you're a lawyer, you'd know to travel everywhere. I don't think with a briefcase full of releases. You don't need a release uh, for for that kind of thing. <laughs> you don't need it. It's it's uh, that's that's, a, that's the release is necessary only to prevent the the woman in the, in the example that you just made from accusing you of um, you know wrongfully doing something. Misuse that, that's it. Of the but it's it's but it's not. It has nothing to do with whether or not you've committed a crime. 
Yeah. Okay, so the release might indicate that that this is intended to go to the to uh, to the internet. Right. That's fine. That's point. about it. Yeah. To okay. commerce rather than. <laughs> I don't want to get too far afield, Ari. Yes. Okay, because we 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 got a lot to talk about. But it's about. the same set of inconsistencies. If she owns what's in her body and her body again. What is a really good reason that she can't sell it, especially if we have a government that's job it is to protect the life, the lives right. of its citizens? If this act of commerce saved a life, why shouldn't this act of commerce be encouraged? Okay, so good point. Let's table for the sake of discussion right now the the so-called moral questions about whether or not it's appropriate to engage in this contractual endeavor where you. Basically, I mean, you say you said the word sell, but I, I wouldn't even use that word. I would simply say, look, we've agreed that you're going to have this baby for us. It's not selling us. We need your womb. We can't do it. We would like to rent out your room, uh, your womb, as it were, for purposes of having our baby. Let's just say that we'll table the discussion about the right and the wrong of it in a moment. Okay. Let's see if that process of paying her whatever it is, whatever the market will bear. Let's just say $100,000. Yeah. As a you know, flat high and, and you know what? They may very well want to pay a little bit more for somebody who's so pretty and very tall, let's say, if they want somebody who's tall, uh, somebody from a certain region of the world. I don't know, but let's say. Someone Jewish, you know, there's Jewish moms always want their sons or daughters with the okay. Jewish baby. All right, yeah, you're going into you know, non sequitur territory. Right, but, but simply, it, is a, it is a quality someone might want to pay for. Let's say you simply say, you come to an attorney, I'm willing to pay $100,000 for this woman to have a baby. You know, she's, she needs to be pregnant for, you know, nine months, sometimes more than nine months. And she's going to go through the hassle, the factor of that, that and, she, and she's going to have to avoid going on airplanes and doing a lot of things. She can't have alcohol, for example, right? No drugs, whatever it is, she has to, her life is going to be altered at least for those nine or so months. Okay, so what's wrong with paying her that? Now let's think about the good that that might all result in, okay? And then we'll revisit the issue, the moral issues in a moment. So now you've got, you've got the system in place where everyone can pay for this. Suddenly, you have this huge burgeoning supply of women who are willing to pay, to get paid for, to get pregnant. Okay, and it's a you know it's a, it's a clear market, and uh, people are willing to pay for it, and she's willing to receive the money. Now you have the woman no longer interested in aborting the baby, which I think is good. In fact, it's fantastic. And in addition, the couple is happy because they have a baby. And and wait wait oh, hang on. The, and the lawyers don't profit out of it. The middlemen don't profit out of it. There's no corruption associated with it necessarily, or at least minimize the corruption. And the so-called prices are not obscene either. So it's not just for the obscenely wealthy adoptive parents, right? It could be people who are willing to pay five thousand. You know, they're, they're competition leads to a drop in price and an increase in supply. That's right. Okay, and suddenly abortion goes down, and uh, you know. Uh, Adoptive children get great parents. The foster business is virtually out of, out of, uh, out of existence after some time. Yes, and, and now people will say, well, wait a minute. There are some people that, you know, there's a good chance that the, that the child will have deformities and such like that. You know what? There's a market for that, so to speak, as well. As well. And the, the fact is that there are many wonderful parents out there who are more than happy to take on a baby that has this or that problem, even Down syndrome. 
Okay, it's, it, you'd be surprised. You assume incorrectly that everyone wants only perfect children. That's not, that's not the case. There are many wonderful parents who are ready to take on children with, uh, with issues. And they understand that it's better for, for them to take care of that child with an issue than for the state to take care of that child with an issue. Or, God forbid, uh, a mother that can't possibly afford helping a child with, with this or that issue. So it's only good from, from this perspective, from the perspective of the, the adoptive parents, from the perspective of the mother, and for the child. Other than that, it's a horrible idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it would put a lot of people at Planned Parenthood out of work. Yeah. And it would save the government a lot of money funding places like Planned Parenthood. That's right. Now, uh, you, you brought up a point, Ari, offline, and a good point, which is that uh, many of these mothers, uh, welfare mothers, right, they, they, they get a lot of uh, money from the welfare state uh, for every child they have. In fact, the more children they have, the more money they, they get which is a bizarre kind of dynamic, right? We don't want that in the sense of we don't want, uh, we, we, want we want children, that's great, but we want children to be born into uh, a mother and father relationship, hopefully a married one. And that's, a, that's, that's the what we really, really prefer. But instead, we have this funky dynamic where we pay these mothers more. Now, to not have a father. To, to not have a father. And so as a consequence, she's incentivized to, to have more and more children. So that's pretty screwed up, in my opinion. And notice, actually, how it, it also cuts against the argument that there's a convenience argument, right, or a stigma argument, as we talked about before, because they seem to have no problem having more and more kids. And they don't seem to have any problem saying, hey, I'm pregnant again, right? No problem. So, so it's clearly it's a money issue for, for at least some of these people. But they can make so much more money with the private market, because I doubt that the government is giving them $50,000 or $100,000 a pop. Why not give it to the, to the private sector? And the chances of, of getting a, uh, it, it's actually a, a fully integrated system, so to speak. What I'm talking about, there's no corruption involved, right? It's, it's what the market will bear, so to speak. Their child, the children all wind up with mothers and fathers, or if you want to be progressive, two moms or two dads, yeah. if they happen to be same sex. That's right. Yeah. You, a, a liberal mom or somebody who is, is so inclined can say, look, I would really just rather this child be born to this, this lovely gay couple that I met the other day. Here, here you go. Okay. Now, the, now, let's talk about the moral qualms, because I said we'll revisit that issue. First, the, they'll say that the state has an interest in making sure that the child uh, be adopted by, you know, quality parents. Kids. Same background checks as gun purchases. You know, no criminal, good, generally good references. I, I, That's I, easy. But, but the state has an interest, right? But the mom has that interest. Even also. more so. Even more so. But my point is the mother can run the same kind of background check. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Okay, but you didn't make that clear. So let me, let me just go with this. The mother has an incentive to make sure that the child is with the most appropriate people possible. And you might say, well, how does she know? Well, then you can say, you can say the same question. Of, I mean, if she continues on with a, with a child and, and has it herself, well, then, you know, she might be totally inappropriate. But she just wants it to, to, to be with better parents. And, lot, and, and by definition, yeah. by definition, if she's willing to give it up to other parents, she's giving it to better parents, period. 
And a lot of times these people don't give it to strangers. A lot of times the, there's people in their lives that, that they know who are willing to help them. That's right. Family, friends, etc. Yeah. You know? So in many cases, it won't even have to be what I call the Uber or Airbnb dynamic of using an app to find the buyer and seller. Right. Or Craigslist. It's... <laughs> These it's, are people they know already. It's it's easy supply and demand. Yeah, it's um it's it's very easy. If, if you, I mean, just like uh, I don't know, there's so many other things in life. Uh, it's it's very easy. If if you want to sell, um, I don't know, the diamonds are always in supply, right? Um, Louis Vuitton bags are always in supply. Um, you know, people always want to buy pets. Whatever Rolex watches, Rolex any brand. There's always something. But babies, there's uh, always a high, high demand for babies. And it'll there'll always be more demand than there is supply. So don't you worry about that. And when people talk to me about how um, how there is a um, there's a moral issue about this, and you know, we want to make sure the baby go, goes to the right parents. Like, how about this? And yet these same people have no problem with killing that same baby. Exactly. That's, that's the amazing thing about it. They, they, they'd rather kill the baby than not being in total control of to whom that baby is assigned by the government. Right? You see how screwed, that up, screwed up that is? I'm not saying that this, this proposal that we are making is perfect, that there won't be abuses, that there won't be people who make misjudgments as to giving it to the wrong parents or that it can be manipulated. I'm not saying that. I'm not totally naive. But I am saying that it's 150% better than the present system. Yeah, it's like automobile transportation. It's not perfect, but with certain standards and correct regulations and a correct regulatory framework for it to exist within the maximum amount of, of uh, transparency and, and legalism rather than corruption, it's better than killing a, a child that never got a chance to live. I mean, and, and that's where it's so screwed up. The people who oppose this kind of thing or the people who um, progressively promote abortion as an alternative to any other discussion are promoting death. Right. Look, and going back to who else it, it benefits, that welfare mother that we talked about, no matter what, she if she's... She, if she's so irresponsible that she has children just for the sake of getting more from the from the government, well then, then let her you know give it to a, a couple that will actually take care of them with a father involved, and and she'll make more money in the process, you know. And there's only so many years that she'll be able to do that anyway, right? So, th- that's that's the best for everyone at the end of the day. Another example of the the efficiencies and the the better results of the of all this. And I hate to compare it to a different industry, but I might as well. It's the airline industry. The airline industry was deregulated in, in uh, 1978 or so, 79, doesn't matter. And before airline deregulation, the government was responsible for deciding all the routes of the airlines. And don't you know, Ari, that there was a route from Boise, Idaho, directly to New York City. Uh, so these small, small cities or these small towns sometimes, direct flights to the big cities and the other small cities and such. The government wasn't controlled. That's why. And as a consequence, they were ex- ex- obscenely expensive. Um, and what they would do is they would make deals where, you know, you're allowed to have this, this route, this profitable route, uh, American Airlines, for example, or Delta, and in exchange you have to fly these non-profitable routes. 
and the government was deciding all this, and that the prices were all the same. There was no competition whatsoever. And they competed instead on what, what was called golden toothpicks, it's a phrase, meaning that they, they were trying to compete on service. They were trying to say, our lunches are better. You know, our, our, um, our flight attends, what they call stewardesses back then, uh, are nicer and more pleasant and or you'll prettier. feel... Or prettier, yeah. But, but that's what they used to do. But that's not the point. The point is that it was extremely inefficient. And then when they deregulated it, everyone said the world is going to come to an end. Nobody will fly to, to Boise, Idaho. They'll have to take a direct, a, 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 a direct flight to Cedar Rapids and change planes. No, 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 no. They, no, I understand well, what you're oh, saying. They said the world will come to an end. They here. said nobody will fly to Boise at all. Oh, yeah. And because it didn't enter their mind, Ari, that they would do exactly what you just said. The hub and, it's called hub and spoke. The hub system, yeah. Right, where you go to Chicago, and then from Chicago, you go to that small little town near Chicago. Okay, that's, that's the way it's done. And it seems so obvious to us now, but back then, nobody thought about it, except when they finally deregulated it and the natural business just kind of found its way. And it, did, it took a little time to adjust, but surprisingly, it took about only six months or so. They figured it out very back quickly. Back in those days, if you were taking flights to small marketplaces, the plane would be half empty, but burning all that fuel. Yeah. Now, almost every flight is full, and people complain. Well, every flight is full. Well, it should be. It means it's efficient. That's right. And it's cheaper. It is cheaper, cheaper for everyone. You're, you're, you're still, today, in today's dollars, okay, I'm not even talking about adjusted for inflation. In, in actual dollars, it is far cheaper to fly from Los Angeles to New York than it was back in 1980 or 82 when I was flying routinely um, to, to New York. It was 450 bucks. That was the going rate in 1982 dollars. Okay, Which now like 2000. Yeah, now you can get if you, if you if you time yourself right, you can get a good flight, not even a red eye, for 350 dollars in 2015 dollars. Which means it's a lot cheaper relative to to the yeah. 1982 dollars. A quarter of the price. Yeah, it's a really quarter of the price, and yeah, it's 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 a little more cramped. That's absolutely right, and I, you don't get the hot food and such like that. But that's because they were competing on things that were not, nothing to do with with the gasoline prices. And and that's the way it works. And now why do I bring up this deregulation stuff? Because it's it's the same thing with this whole industry, the adoption world. You just need to be creative, my friends. And and it's not even that creative. Can't you see that this is exactly what would happen in terms of what we've already discussed that there would be all these parents who are are crying for a, a child will get their children. And they will, in fact, be now logged up in some foster home situation. They won't have to, you know, jump over hoops and hurdles to prove after five years that they're that they're appropriate parents. When they're, of course, they'll be appropriate parents. The standard should be completely different. It should be that you're you're not, you, you know, you're not a criminal. You're not, yeah. You you uh, you don't have felony convictions, uh, you know, under you, and that you don't do drugs all the time. That's what that should be basically the standard. Okay. Otherwise, you're good to go. And, uh, and, and also the market would completely change. There would be fewer welfare mothers. In fact, very few. You'd be done. And, uh, and, and the abortion industry would practically collapse. Not overnight. It would take a few, few weeks. But there would be this whole different market. You're pregnant. You know what? That's a bummer. But you know what? There's some, some, some parents who really want that. And it'll be easy peasy. And not only is it not a bummer, it would be like, 
wait a minute, I was worried I was pregnant because that'd be a financial loss. You mean I'm going to become wealthy? Yeah, I'm actually my one child. I might, okay. make, I might make money off of this whole endeavor. Okay, in fact, in fact, some people will try to get pregnant for, specifically for that purpose. What's wrong with that? Why? why? Why would you think that's such a terrible thing? Aren't you doing a wonderful thing for a couple that is, that is uh, seeking a child? And a wonderful thing for the child that's going to have a great life. And a wonderful thing for, for a the society yeah. full now of happy people who grew up in great homes. Right. And you're, you're, you, give, you give a serious option to that woman who otherwise would think only of killing the baby. That's, that's, I guess that's the main point. That's the main blessing of all this is that you create a whole new opportunity for the woman instead of just telling her that her only option is to, to kill the baby. That's what, that's what the deal is. All right. Uh, we've run out of time for this segment, but when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about other options that we have in other industries, things that can easily flip the way that we are used to thinking about things. And you'll be shocked about how simple things can be to make things uh, much better and the world a better place for that matter. This is Brock Lurie. We'll talk with you real soon. Why can't they say what they want? Why can't they just say what they need? Come clean, listen and talk. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case where your client invested $100,000 with her accountant who put her into various fake real estate investments. Yes, the challenge here was that neither the attorney nor the client were really focusing on this case. So what'd you do? At the deposition, I had a big stack of documents that I told her I was going to ask her to testify about and made sure she saw those documents and let her know her serious exposure. We settled for the full amount of the payments my client had paid her. We didn't even start the deposition. Litigation is a lot about understanding the psychology of your opposing party and sometimes the opposing counsel. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM 870, The Answer. Lurie with the, the Brock Lurie podcast. Okay, so before the break, we were talking about the, uh, the, the, the easier solutions to some of these seemingly implacable problems. And um, the first one we were talking about, we already talked about a little bit, it was the uh, yeah, abortion. How do we handle it? We went through and we said, look, um, if, if you simply allowed people to, to, uh, to, to pay for a woman to be pregnant with the child that they would like, well, you know, then things could be a lot easier. And if somebody wants to, uh, to give up a baby for adoption, well, then why, why not allow the parents to pay for that? Um, and the mother to profit. And the mother to profit, yeah. And no doubt she would have a much better pregnancy. And uh, where she might previously have, have to go through an abortion, which is actually very dangerous for her and dangerous for her future prospects of having a baby when she does want a baby, right? So it, it's good all around. Now, and we talked about the abuses part of it, and everyone will say, oh my gosh, this is like selling babies and, and such like that. No, 
Um, no doubt there might be an abuse here or there, but the minimal risk of that happening, and, and no doubt it would happen, is so small compared to the abuses that are happening right now with the structure that we now have. So people are paying for baby parts. Uh, that, that's becoming clear right now. And uh, people will get what they want if, you, if, if they really demand it one way or the other. But the government gets inter interferes, and in the meantime, the, the babies uh, don't find homes. They end up in foster homes, and they have all sorts of crazy restrictions, such as uh, that, that uh, black children are, are not allowed to be adopted by white parents. Um, that may have used to be the case, but still, they, they have all sorts of restrictions. They have all these preferences. That preferences, are, uh, that yeah. That are uh, completely arbitrary. Right, and, and we're talking about a human life. And if parents are willing to pay and they have, you know, obviously you need to have good background checks to some extent, right? Make sure they don't have felonies. Make sure that uh, they don't do drugs, okay? But other than that, uh, as long as they appear to be loving, you're done, okay? And, and that's it. And it would be so much easier in the system rather than to give complete discretionary power to a government agency. Okay, so we talked about that. I don't want to repeat myself on that. The, the, there are other seemingly implacable problems that can be resolved, right? Let's take immigration, for example. Immigration is a huge issue. If we simply enforce the laws, uh, not only by building a fence, for one thing, and, and making sure that people didn't jump over the, the line and actually dedicated enough efforts, that's the obvious answer. And, and that would work. It would certainly stem the flow of illegal immigration very, very substantially. But you would also uh, want to enforce the law when it comes to um, uh, employees who work for employers. Make sure that they're naturalized citizens or otherwise have the right to work here. And we don't do that anymore. We used to. There was a time in the 90s where that was absolutely essential, but that's kind of gone by the wayside, right? So, uh, and then, of course, also enforce uh, non-sanctuary cities so that, so that sanctuary cities don't crop up, that they don't exist. We need to make sure that sanctuary cities don't make it easy for immigrants, illegal immigrants, to come in and exploit our system. Uh, otherwise, you're just inviting more of uh, illegal immigration. Okay? That's, it's, it's that simple. But... Uh, any other way of looking at it, anything else that you do, if you don't enforce it and if you don't enforce the laws internally and externally, you're not going to have, uh, you're going to have, a, you're going to continue to have an illegal immigration problem. All right. I don't, I don't think there's anything simpler than that. All right. Then uh, import export bank, right? You've heard this in the news recently where the federal government is uh, thinking about propping up the import export bank, but there's been some, some issues with, with that bank and such. Why, why do we even need this bank, right? I mean, why do we need a middleman? You know, we don't. In this day and age of the Internet and otherwise, why do we have to have a bank that decides what the rates are for, for loans in and out of the country? I mean, th there's no reason for this whatsoever. Get rid of it. And you'll have all sorts of uh, uh, ease of transactions that uh, would otherwise not just yeah, create all sorts of ripple effects in the economy, unwanted ripple effects. Let, let the market decide, right? Simple, clean. Um, and then same, you know, other easy issues, either easy, easy answers, one, another one is for Iran. How do we deal with Iran right now? That one's probably the most easy. 
You simply force the issue of sanctions upon this monstrous uh, country. You don't deal with it in terms of trade. You don't respect it. You don't show, you don't invite it into the community of nations, as Obama has called it. And you, uh, you tighten the noose, as it were. Okay? And you encourage the prop up of the, uh, of the youth and such. And you also encourage Israel to do what it needs to do to stop. Yeah, that's right. You work with Israel, not against Israel. And then Iran will be brought to its knees. Well, am I missing something, Ari? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, there's one other thing. Uh, flood the uh, country with weapons in the hands of the opposition. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's good. That's good. It's, it's pretty simple, right? But we, we, instead, we do these machinations. We do this upside, you know, inside and outside sort of thing where we, we have to have this treaty and everyone's, I don't know how many pages. It's just like over, over several it's hundred like pages. It's Obamacare, you know. Well, it's not that it's, bad, thankfully. But, but, but it's a stack. It's yeah. brick. Oh, it's, it's, it's huge. You wouldn't and, want to And there's it. all this, you know, haranguing about diplomatic process as if these thugs in charge of this nation deserve any legitimization at all rather than just being right. treated like the criminal thugs they are. We don't treat criminal gang members with so much right. respect. Yeah. Oh, treat them. Well, that's very good. You wouldn't make a 600-page treaty with the Crips or the Bloods, right? I mean, I mean the, here in the LA mafia. they would, but, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, in normal cities. But, but for the mafia, you wouldn't do that, right? right. But, but somehow it's okay. Now, can you imagine, by the way, if the uh, six months hence, the Ayatollah decides that he wants to do something whereby they enrich the uranium and they want to go forward. Uh, and then they say, you know, can we do this? And his lawyers or whatever look at the treaty and they say to the Ayatollah, well, uh, Mr. Ayatollah, I don't know what they call him, your, your supremacy or whatever it is. Uh, it turns out we can't do that, what you want. You wanted to expand it in such and such town. We can't do that unless we give them advance notice, 20 days notice to do so. Uh, and you also have to get this signed and otherwise, but you get the 24 days notice and such like that. So uh, under, under the treaty, we can't do that. To which the Ayatollah says, So? So what? So <laughs> I'm, what? Not, I'm not going to do this. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> and, and he's going to do what he wants to do. Do, do you seriously think that they're going to say, well, I guess we can't do it? Yeah, and Team America, World Police, the classic movie. Remember what very, happened? Very important. Kim jong Ill, who was in charge of North Korea at the time, said, oh, hands bricks. I'm so afraid. What are you going to do? Send me another strongly worded letter from the UN? Meet my sharks. <laughs> hands bricks. Oh, my gosh. Right, but that's, that's what it'll be. It'll be, of course, in a, a Farsi accent rather than a Korean accent. Yeah. But essentially... Of know, course, of course. It's, it's too obvious. Look, this is uh, this is an administration that 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 dances the dance necessary to make you believe that uh, he's doing right by the country and right by the world, all the while doing exactly the opposite. There's no way you can convince me that he wants uh, or even believes himself that this treaty, this deal, will somehow make the world safer or will prevent Iran from getting the bomb. There's no way. There's, there are too many factors in it. I, I spoke on my Sunday show, for example, about illegal immigration. I want you to factor in four things. Okay, first, that we uh, are that Obama wants to has made very clear that he will veto any 
attempt to stop federal funding to sanctuary cities. Okay, that's one. Uh, that he has no interest and will not enforce the border. Okay, and in fact, he's reducing men at the border. That's number two. That when it came to, comes to Governor Brewer, when she wanted to enforce the Brewer and do it herself, he actively engaged the, the Supreme Court to stop her from enforcing the border with the exact same laws that are required under the federal statutes. Okay? Okay, so th this is a combination of active and passive things. Okay, and then finally, that he, he supports all uh, laws to end the requirement of IDs for voting. Okay, boop. You can't take these four things that I just mentioned, and there are more, and not conclude uh, dispositively that this president wants to increase the number of illegal immigrants, right? There, there's, I mean, it, it, it's inescapable. Am I missing something? I mean, I, I want you to be contrary if you, if you can. No, it's, and you know, I very much agree with you. It's simply a play for permanent political power. Right. And you were talking a few minutes ago about the Export-Import Bank. Yeah. And that our opposition party, our, our friends on the left, constantly talk about the badness of the tired old ideas of the past and how beautiful the progressive future will be. But isn't it curious that things like the Export-Import Bank are nothing but dinosaur fossilized relics from the Roosevelt administration? Yeah. Yeah. And... The same is actually true of the strategy vis-a-vis -vis the illegal immigration issue or illegal alien issue. Roosevelt used to import for uneducated foreigners to populate American cities who he knew would vote Democrat. Yeah. And it kept him in power for four terms. Five, if you count uh, Truman. Well, or, it's... Uh, yeah. Actually, uh, yeah, five. Because uh, Truman served out the... the the 16th year of, of Roosevelt, and then did four more himself. Yeah. yeah. All because the, the the large population centers were flooded with foreign voters who knew little of the language and little about why they'd vote for the opposition. Well, this, this goes to, um, you're speaking about Roosevelt, and it's one of the things I want to talk about, which is economics, but I'll use Roosevelt as a launching pad. Um, when there was a, a crisis, a financial crisis in 1929, uh, the Roosevelt administration basically responded. Uh, well, that would be the Hoover administration. Well, the Hoover did, but they responded with all sorts of regulations, and then you know, and then Roosevelt came with with regulations on steroids. Steroids, right? Uh, after that, so it begs the question: you know, what are the answers to such financial uh, uh, straits when a country ends up in such recession or depression, as the case may be? What is the answer? Well, number one, don't vote for Hoover's brother, whose name is Jeb Bush. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I think sorry. you're getting ahead of things. <laughs> I can't work under these conditions. All right. The, what, what, what is the solution? Is it just the right mix of regulations? Just, you just figure it out. You kind of know exactly what the demand is and what the supply is, and you figure what needs attention and how many jobs can be made from this, uh, this operation versus that operation and, um, and, and advance a certain policy and so on. Is it, is it that? Is that what it takes to, to revive an economy? The answer is, of course, no, because it's, it's been tried and tried over and over again and has always failed. There's never been a combination proposed by the government, uh, w whether 100 years ago or 80 years ago or ever ago, where uh, this, this proposal somehow made things great. You, never, you can never say, never say that there's, here's a slew of economic 
engines that I propose that you can say, that worked really well. That changed things around. And how do I know? Uh, because I, I've read some history. That's why. It, was, uh, it, it failed in every respect when it came to Jimmy Carter. It, fa it failed with respect to, to, to Johnson and the Great Society. And it failed utterly, even more so, and catastrophically with the Roosevelt administration, who for 12 years advanced this nonsense uh, and only to, uh, to make it clear that it cannot work. And instead, it just, it just engendered further further crises within the, within the Depression itself. So it, it uh, begs the question, what would be the answer? What would you do, Brooke and Ari? You, with all your answers, I'll tell you. Here it is. Leave it alone. Okay? Just let it be. In your quest to make sure that your, your child never slips or never makes a boo-boo, you, uh, you end up not allowing the child to ever learn how to walk. Right? That's, that's the way it is. And the economy is no different. You need to let the economy do what it needs to do to correct itself and to learn. Only the economy knows where the demand is. Only the private sector knows that. It figures it out by way of the invisible hand, the famous line from Adam Smith. The demand will meet the supply. And supply makes, makes the, uh, meets the demand. Right? That's, that's the way it works. It always has worked that way, and it always will, I predict, in the future. And, and innovation results as a result of that, and people become generally happy, and they can always get out of a temporary uh, blip in the economy. And that's what 1929 would have been, but for our unnecessary involvement in it, and which in turn had such lasting uh, consequences, not just in America, but all over Europe. It was a devastating time because of government interference and just not letting people what they do what they wanted to do naturally. Instead, they had to do all sorts of price fixing, wage controls, um, everything that you can imagine. Smoot-Hawley. Smoot-Hawley Act with all the tariffs and everything else. It was a bizarre combination of government interference, which led to one disaster after the other. And, and no one ever questioned. And they still don't question. They, they assumed that the New Deal somehow made the economy okay, that set things in place so that this kind of recession could never happen again. Yeah, the New Deal was so great, it only took 14 years to get out of a depression. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You let it go. This is an easy one. That, that, there have been many recessions that have come and gone, but it really should only take you six or so months to get out of, of any recession, even a deep one. Yeah, here's the perfect example. Does anyone remember the historic recession that happened in 2001 right after the terrorist attacks? I don't. Wonder yeah. why that is. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was a it was a very big recession. It was a deep recession and then boop came back. No yeah. big deal. No big what would Bush do who by the way was not perfect, but what did he do? He cut taxes. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah. Make it easier. Whatever way you can loosen up the uh, the economy, the let it let it rip. And you know what? Let it stay there. Once you've discovered that the economy is just doing just great and humming along, let it stay there. Why do you need more taxes? If the economy is doing well, then why are you, uh, why are you troubling everyone else with, with asking them for more money? I mean, presumably everyone's happy because the economy is doing well. Let it ride, so to speak. Anyway, it's, this is too obvious. Okay, so 
we've talked about simple solutions. I mean, different ways of looking at things. So we just talked about, you know, the most interesting one, of course, being the abortion debate. Here's another way to look at it. Um, and it's a, I want to flip things in a way um, that I think a lot of people don't think about abortion. I know I'm not the first one to think about it, but I want to showcase this. Slavery. When we think of slavery today, we think of it as an antiquated relic of the past. Uh, we, we say it with contempt, as we should. Um, it, we are embarrassed that uh, we have that in our uh, collective history, not just in America, of course, but of course in the, in the entire world. And you wonder, what is the next slavery? And I mean, I put that in quotes, in, in the issue of slavery being something that we're embarrassed about. You can say it's about, you know, animals and eating animals in particular. Uh, I'm, even though I'm, I'm mostly vegan, I don't know if that's the case. Um, I don't. I don't look at people who eat uh, meat with contempt. I, I'm mostly vegan because I do it out of health reasons and such. Um, I, I wish people didn't eat uh, meat. Uh, I, I, I like the fact that I'm not contributing to the suffering of animals. But a chacun son goût, as they say, to each their own, and hopefully they'll learn on their own. But I, I don't think that people will look back on the days of eating meat and say how how cruel these people were. This is this. It's not that big a deal to me. Okay. But I do think that we will look back on the days of abortion and say, wow, that was the wrong wrong side of history to be on, right? That they, the ones who are pro-abortion on the wrong side of history. The progressives always look to us and say, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history when it comes to gay marriage or uh, um, transgender issues or any, anything related to male-female issues, right? Don't be on the wrong side. As if, like, as if that's you know, the, the ultimate you know, punishment to be on the wrong side of history, right? It's not. It's not such a big deal to be on the supposedly wrong side of history. I don't mind being... Um, uh, you know, against the sexualization of children. Okay. That's what history has, has given us. It has sexualized children to a level that I find to be absolutely contemptible. And if that makes me an old fogey, well, then I'm an old fogey. But I, I think, you know, children should be innocent. I don't think they should be forced to, to, to be taught about uh, homosexuality and, and uh, to, to actually be encouraged to engage in sex, sexual behavior. I don't. I, I just don't like that, and I like the differences between boys and girls, um, all the things that we we often talk about. They always talk that we're on the wrong side of history, but I ask the question now to them: You who are pro-abortion, pro you call it pro-choice. We'll, we'll use your phrase. You who are pro-choice, might you be one day on the wrong side of history? Will it be, who's more likely to look back 100 years from now and say, wow, can you believe those people believed X? Okay, and, and X being either that it's okay to kill babies or kill fetuses for the convenience of women, or that we said no, no more to the killing of, uh, of babies and fetuses. Who, which is which is going to be the right side of that? Or which is more likely to be the right side? Which is more likely to be. Yeah. 
I put it to you that the, as technology and science moves on, and I think an awareness continues to move on, and hopefully a resurgence of, of a sense of God, that, uh, that we'll be on that, that right side of history. Where, and, and whether that's right or wrong is another story, uh, but I, I think that the passion will be toward understanding that uh, abortion is completely wrong. And, and when, they, when that day comes, do we get to say ha-ha or anything? No. No, what will happen is everyone will agree that it's, it's, it was a terrible thing. It'll say it's, it's going to be a dark chapter in American history from 1973 and on. And, uh, and, and they'll be right to do that. But folks like you and me will be able to say we were against that. We knew that it was wrong. And it's, it's, it's hard to imagine any other way of thinking of it. Well, but, uh, you know, me, I think they'll pull the old year zero and uh, memory hole it. Oh, I see. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we never, we never said that. That's true. The Democrats certainly have already done that when, when it comes to racism, right? So uh, let's, not, let's not think otherwise. But, but, but I'm simply talking about the issue of whether or not abortion will go the way of slavery will be held in contempt the same way that we hold slavery in contempt. And yeah, I think will the, there someday be a constitutional amendment banning it. God, like, that'd, be, that'd be so great. You can pray. That'd be really, really great. It's a, it's a contemptible institution. And you have to ask yourself the question, if you believe in God, and many of our listeners do believe in God, I, and better yet, if you know that there's a God, if you feel very comfortable that there is a God, not just believe, but have a deep belief to the point that you, you know that he surrounds you, that he's, he's, he's responsible for all the goodness and all the, all the things that, that life provides, that for our very existence, that God is, is real. What do you think God wants? Right? What, doesn't the answer come cleanly and clearly to you? Do you think that God would say, yeah, that's cool. If you get pregnant, you know, just, just abort it. No big deal. You know, just do it within the first three months. You know, the Supremes were right. Just go ahead and, and, and do it three months, okay? That's, that's cool with me. Do you think for a moment that that's what God would want? Do you, do you think there's any gray area for God on this? Right? I mean, there may be some gray area as to, you know, God, you know, uh, whether God wants uh, or is okay with a man stealing a, a loaf of bread for his starving family, okay, because he got in such a bad position. But and, and maybe maybe he would expect the man to then go to the to the bread owner when he's and make amends someday. Make amends someday, you know, maybe pay him back threefold. Uh, but but God would probably I don't know. I, I can see that as a gray area for God. Well, if we know, I would hope it's a gray area. We for know God. it's a gray area because if God says don't eat pork, right? But then God says if you're starving, eat whatever you can get. There you go. Good point. That means that there is some leeway. Life matters for circumstances. You're, good. Life trumps everything. That's absolutely right. I, I know that. That's a that's the answer actually. So it, it, there is gray area. But when it comes to abortion, there's there's no gray area there. Yeah, and if if people realize how gruesome this was. I just wrote myself a note. Abortion is equal in gruesomeness to wailing. Our friends on the left will look at those old pictures of wailing. Mm -hmm. And if you get in your mind's eye, picture that. I'm not going to describe it in detail because you know what it looks like. That's what abortion looks like. Yeah. And if they pictured one is equaling the others, they would run like heck from it. Oh, because right. Because it's, right. it's terrifying to see. 
But here's the thing. By the Supreme Court making that horrific decision in 1973, it cheapened the sex act that leads to abortions because people could get away with irresponsible sexual activity right? and then say, well, just get an abortion. It's fine. If we didn't have that option, people would be a lot more careful and respectful of their own bodies and someone else's. Uh, look, you have no argument from me on that. I, I totally agree with it. Um, the... You know, in Russia, there's it's not a joke. It's it's a, apparently it's an expression that abortion is the number one form of birth control over there. Now, God knows why they can't use condoms or or even the pill for that matter. But um, apparently, it's so so easy peasy over there, and there's they think nothing of it. And what what country would you rather be in? A country that winces and has some serious queasiness when it comes to abortion. Or a country that has no queasiness about it, like Russia or China. Or China, especially forcing, or North Korea forcing it on people. Yeah, yeah. I against mean, their will. Can you think? Is there anything more demonic than that? There's, uh, look, it's 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 uh, they, they, it simply is a reflection of how little queasiness they have about that. And I, I'd rather be in this country. I'd rather be. At least we have the debate, uh, and we can say that. But I wonder if you are pro-choice out there, are you? And if you had your druthers, would you rather this be a country that has absolute no queasiness about abortion? Or do you, do you think in, in hindsight or with perspective that it's good that we have this queasiness? Do, don't you want this debate? Even if you are, if you, even if you are pro-choice. Uh, on the abortion issue. On the, because on the we know those issue. pro-choicers on abortion aren't choicers on any other issue. Yeah, well, that's true. On the, on the issue School of abortion. School choice, tax choice. Yeah, well, let's, yeah, not, go there. let's not go there. Let's not go there. I'm, I'm simply talking about on the issue of, of pro-choice, and that's, that's the term of art for abortion. I understand there's choice for other things. I don't want to get there. I'm talking about if you are pro-choice, do you want the, the queasiness factor about this? And I put it to you that even if you are pro-choice, you want exactly this because it, it makes you feel, at the very least, rightly or wrongly, that, that there is a morality issue at play here, and you want to live in a moral country. That's the irony. You want to be pro-choice, but at the same time, you want to consider yourself a moral agent, and you can't have it both ways. We've talked a lot about abortion this time, but it is such a, such a phenomenal issue, such a, such a comprehensive issue about who we are as people, who we are as a nation, and where we are going to the future. So we must talk about this issue. This is not an—it's not a side issue. If the issue as much as yeah. as much as the issues are about uh, from from the Democratic side, that they they want to push to the side, they don't want to talk about it because you know the Planned Parenthood thing is, is so toxic for them now. It is such a reflection of who we are, and I want it to be that discussion. That's why this podcast is all about it and having to deal with. The simple solutions to it, how we can undermine abortion at the same time. This is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you real soon.
Let's do it.